0: Asset Management Podcast for March 6th, 2013. This is Brendan, and today Tom and I are going to be talking about the Dow Jones reaching a new high yesterday and what it means. So yesterday, March 5th, 2013, uh, the Dow Jones reached a new high, breaking its previous high set on October 9th, uh, 2007. So what does that mean? Um, it, it means the, the big picture message
1: is uh, it takes a long time to get to these market tops. It doesn't necessarily mean that the market's going to start collapsing. In fact, most of our indicators are still really positive, and so we don't see any kind of um, serious risk to our market uh, right now currently. What I do want to point out, though, is the day we're recording this is March 6th. Then March 6th, 2009, uh, four years ago, was where the market bottomed out. And I want you to, to note that we hit our high in October of 2007. It only took 18 months for the market to get sliced in half. That is a very quick drop, 50%. It's yeah, alarming. It really is. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that really scares people away from, from being in the market because – You know, when the market's going down, there's really nothing that can stop it. And it's just been my observation, along with many others, that the markets tend to go up very slowly, but they come crashing down.
0: Right. Um, So that basically means that if you invested in October of 2007 and held on, you are finally now getting back to even.
1: Yeah, and uh, if you invested back then around 14000 and the, the Dow is just back to $14,000 now, um, if you invested in, the, in a Dow Jones type of mutual fund or ETF, you're back to even. Uh, That also means that you held on, you didn't panic, you didn't sell in 2008 or 9, you didn't get invested in anything else. So it's kind of a hard measure to gauge here because most people just don't do that. And the the underlying thing that's really interesting is that there have been a lot of changes in the Dow Jones Industrial Average over the years. So, uh, you know, when I got, got started in the business, we had companies in the Dow Jones Industrial Average like International Harvester. A lot of people don't even recognize that name anymore. It's, it's now called Navistar, right. and they've been in and out of bankruptcy, the, one of the biggest truck companies around. Another one that was in the, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was Texaco, and we were just laughing about that before yeah. we turned
0: on the microphone. I barely remember Texaco.
1: Right. <laughs> Bethlehem Steel, uh, Woolworth. Westinghouse, I mean all these, U.S. Steel, they they were all parts of the Dow Jones Industrial Average back in the 80s. So every few years even Dow Jones goes in and they make changes to their portfolio, to their basket. So it's not necessarily, even though you're buy and hold, even the S&P 500 and the the Dow Jones Industrial Average make changes uh, to their baskets. But I want to go back to 2007 where the market was at a a new high, if you walked into your broker's office or your advisor's office, if they weren't following point and figure uh, technical analysis, they probably wouldn't have much of a game plan because let's face it, a lot of brokers are let's just buy and, and hold on for the long term. But in the fall of 2007, our indicators that we used were just starting to crack, in fact Uh, If you look at some of the long-term indicators, the the, uh, percentage of mutual funds that were in positive trends actually flipped from X's to O's just a month later in November of 2007 and gave a sell signal just a few months later in January of 2008. Another one of our long-term indicators is we measure the relative strength of the S&P 500 versus 13-week T-bills or cash that turned negative also a month later, November 2007, and then gave a sell signal about seven months later in June of 2008. Now, before I get to the third one, uh, I, I'll tell you right now that, um, you know, having two of the three long-term indicators in O's is not a good scenario for making money. There's a lot of risk in the market. Doesn't mean you can't make money, but the, the odds are starting to stack against you. And when these long-term indicators give sell signals, that's a very serious red flag. So the third indicator, the bullish percent for all of the mutual funds, flipped to O's same month, November of 2007. This is just a month after we hit a new high. And then that gave a sell signal in the summer of 2008. So by the middle of 2008, all of our long-term indicators were already pretty bearish and really all flashing red signals. So again, it's good to have a game plan and follow it and kind of ignore what's going on in the headlines and just stick to the game plan. So I I, I thought it was important, Brendan, to add that in because uh, you know even though we hit a new high in October, most of our indicators in the market were starting to really fall apart. And a lot of people in the media get focused on the Dow Jones, but the Dow Jones is just 30 stocks. And it may be 30 stocks that you and I m- might not own. So our own little basket of stocks could have been falling apart in October of 2007 with the Dow hitting a new high. Right. Because we could own ones that aren't in the Dow. Aren't accounts. in the Dow. That's right. right. Even though the Dow gets all the headlines, the, uh, the S&P 500 really is a much bigger yardstick to keep an eye on. Let me put this in perspective. The The mutual funds and exchange traded funds that track the Dow Jones, there's $27 billion in funds and ETFs that mirror the the Dow Jones. However, with the S&P 500, that's the 500 largest publicly traded companies in the United States. There's mutual funds and ETFs that track the S&P 500. They total $1.5 trillion. Now, we got this information from uh, Dorsey Wright and Associates. But it just goes to show you that even though the Dow Jones grabs all the headlines, the, re- the other one that we really want to keep an eye on is the S&P 500. So, Brendan, you came up with a number
0: that I think puts it, puts it nicely in perspective. Right. Uh, for every dollar that tracks the Dow, 50 track the S&P 500. I mean, that is
1: amazing to see that analysis where uh, there's so much more money that's tracking the S&P 500. Hey, it's interesting to note that the highest closing price on the S&P 500 came the same day, same day as the Dow, that October 9th, right. 2007. October 9th 2007. Yeah. A couple of days later it actually hit the highest price ever intraday. It was uh, at 1576, and at the moment we're recording this, the S&P 500 is at 1541. So, I thought it would be worth it for us to take a quick look at the trend chart for the S&P 500 because it's really painting a very interesting picture. So this is a trend chart over the last two plus years showing the S&P 500. We got this chart from Dorsey Wright. What I want you to focus on are the columns of O's that I have in orange. You'll notice that we have a a nice little column of X's uh, going back to the beginning, uh, to the end, I'm sorry, of 2011 and then a pullback and then a nice move up at the beginning of 2012, and a pullback. Another move up in the fall of 2012, and a pullback in November. And now we have this uh, column that's gone up to the top of the trading band. We're now uh, past 15.25. If we continue to follow this pattern, what's the next thing you think we're going to see? Pullback. (laughs) Yeah, I would expect a pullback, and I would expect you know a normal kind of pullback would bring us to that 14.25 or 14.50 area. Now, you know, if it goes back to 14.50 and we're trading right now at 15.41, you're talking about 90 points on the S&P 500. I mean, that's a pullback of six or seven percent. It's a big deal to most people. It really is, you know, six or 7% is enough to really get everybody's attention that, you know, maybe we, maybe we should take money off the table, or maybe we should, uh, be selling some things, or maybe we should be changing our game plan. So I I want you to focus on the fact that long term, we're not going to get a sell signal until we're under 1350 on this chart. That is a long way off. We're
0: near that at this point. Right.
1: And so while I've been, uh, telling everybody, the market's overdue for a pullback. The market's really extended. Hopefully, this chart will paint a better picture and, and say it better than I can. So we can get a normal pullback of five, six, seven percent on the S&P 500 and still maintain this staircase kind of uh, move in the charts. So it's important to you know keep keep this in mind that we are due for a pullback. It's a normal kind of pullback. It's really not going to rip apart our game plan. So we also want to caution you that none of the securities that we mentioned in this uh, presentation are past specific recommendations of Maluli Asset Management. And this presentation is not a recommendation to buy or sell any of the securities that we mentioned here. But more importantly, if you're relying on a podcast for investment advice, we think you're making a big mistake. And so we strongly urge our clients to consult with their investment advisor before making a decision to buy or sell any kind of investment. Now, if you don't have an investment advisor, feel free to contact us. You can find us on the web at maluli.net. That's m-u-l-l-o-o-l-y.net. Or you can call us at 732 223
0: 9,000. That's all we have for this week. Hopefully we were able to put the uh, new high of the Dow Jones in perspective for you, so you can know what to expect. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.